0: We are going to get right into it today, and uh, when I I heard that I had the opportunity to speak today on Mother's Day, I said, awesome, what's the passage? And then I looked, and this is what it was. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. We are in a series called Better Together, and uh, this is, we have one verse today, which means that I shouldn't go over, but we'll see what happens. This is the passage that we have. It's perfect for Mother's Day. Are you ready? He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. I have outlined it for you. Are you ready? Number one, do not steal. Number two, get to work or get a job. Number three, share with those in need. Happy Mother's Day from Calvary Church. (laughs) When I looked at this, I said, dear Lord, what are we going to do with this? And even just as an extra, like, man, I looked at this with great fear and trepidation, just thought, what could we possibly say that would help to edify all of us, number one, but even just a special message to our moms. And man, I would be the stupidest guy on earth if I said, hey, moms, you got to get to work. Start sharing more. Come on. You, you know what to do. Don't steal. What? Great. Perfect. We are in trouble. But here, let me just give you a sense of where God has led me in this journey. Even with one verse, I believe that God has given me something to look at with this. And we are, I don't know if you remember, a few weeks ago, Eric and I were up here. We were putting on shirts, taking off shirts. It was really fun. Uh, if that doesn't make sense, then you've got to go back and watch the video for some context. But... We talked about putting on the new self, but before you put on the new self, you have to lay aside. You have to take off the old self. And I want us to think about this in terms of our hands. We have a new way of living. God is calling us to a new way of living, but it's how we use our hands. What is it with our hands that we are doing? Our old way of living, we had our hands doing one thing, and now with a new way of living, our hands must do something else. And so here is the challenge of uh, our new hands. We want to have a movement in our life from stealing to sharing and to be giving. And so what we have is this idea of we have to reject what destroys community. And with that, that means that we have hands that steal. Now, with this laying aside and with this rejecting, I want you to understand the context of of Paul is writing this letter to this place called Ephesus. Now, first century, Ephesus had about 250,000 people. They estimate that there were probably about 60,000 of that population that were slaves. In that population, there was theft. In that population, there was stealing. In fact, one of the seven wonders of the world was the great temple that was built for Artemis. It was this beautiful temple, huge, magnificent. Uh, if you go there today, out of the 127 columns that once stood, they formed back together just one column symbolically that still stands there. But the temple was this front for those who would steal. In fact, the, the whole system was corrupt. And back in the day, um, it became a sanctuary for the debtors. During the reign of Claudius, they put out this list of directives that there needed to be some things that were addressed in the temple. There were crimes that were being committed. This is first century. Check out the crimes that were were taking place in the temple of Artemis in Ephesus, um, they would sell the priesthood like a public auction. Anyone. If you wanted to be a priest, if you had enough money, then you just paid down and you could be a priest. If you wanted to have a slave, then you could go to the temple and you could buy infants cheap and raise them up to be slaves. The very opposite of what we're trying to do here with child dedication, right? Except it's fun when our kids can kind of help with the chores a little bit. Um, they would employ freemen to do the work of the slaves. And therefore, it put a, an undue burden on the treasury inside the temple. And then there would be priests who borrowed sacred funds for others. Now, Paul is addressing, and everybody knows at the time, that theft and stealing is part of the culture there in Ephesus. But Paul is saying it's not only part of the culture there, it's part of the church. That within the church, there is stealing, and we cannot live like this any longer. He says don't steal. And so we go back to this this old thought this Old Testament law it's actually part of the 10 commandments it says thou shalt not steal. Now our hands can steal from one of two places. We can steal from people and we can steal from God. I want, I want you to see this. Here's a passage, it's Deuteronomy 25 and it's talking about weights and measures. It, it says, do not have two differing weights in your bag, one heavy, one light. Do not have two differing measures in your house, one large, one small. You must have accurate and honest weights. When you would go and do business, there would be weights and you would have to put them on a scale and they would be able to say, okay, well this is how much we have and they'd be able to measure all of this. There was a law of just weights and measures, but then you found out that you kind of take some shortcuts and so maybe the silver and the gold that you were using that in its purest form you say well we can find some other alloys and some other metals that we can mix in and it might have the same weight but it really doesn't have the same value and so people were being cheated they would shave some of of the coins off to to decrease the value so there would be these two ways of measuring the weights and the economy got kind of messed up in fact uh, many of you uh women if you have a wedding ring you're looking at your diamond on there and and you you measure that in something called a carat, right? Like one carat, or maybe you have a really generous husband and you got like a three-carat ring going on there, right? Um, but that even that standard was mer- measured by this this carob tree. You have this carob chip like cocoa. And and they would take these carob chips and they would put them all together. And the standard weight for those, it, it, they actually like took these trees, they stripped them down, they looked at all of them and they all pretty much weighed the same thing. And so that's where we get from that carob chip, the carrot. And so these weights and these measures, people would use this to steal. They would take and they would rob from one another. And the problem with that is that The commands that God has given us, it's a calling for us to protect our neighbor's wealth. We don't want to do anything that would deprive our neighbor from anything that they needed. And so there are areas and there are places that we can steal from. Don't steal from your employers. Don't steal from the government. Or there's debt. Or we can even steal from our employees. In Romans 13, it says we pay taxes. That we have to give the government what they are due. And even Jesus addresses this in Matthew 22. He says, Render to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And in hearing this, they were amazed. They left him, they went away. So we don't want to steal, have hands that take from one another. But also, um, God addresses this. And our hands at times can steal from God. This is addressed in Malachi chapter 3. Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings, you were cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. And so God is calling out the people and saying, look, you have hands that want to steal, you have hands that want to take. And it can't be like that. And so the calling is for us to repent. But true repentance is not just saying, I'm sorry, I I don't want to do that anymore. But it means that we stop doing what is wrong, but we also then have to do what is right. There's this passage in 2 Chronicles. The people of God are struggling. They don't have rain. And God says to them, look, if my people who are called by my name, if they humble themselves and they pray and they seek my face and they turn from their wicked ways, then God says, I will bless them. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will hear their prayers. I will heal their land. So we stop doing what is wrong, but we start doing what is right. And what he's prescribing here is there is a life that is free from stealing. If you look at some of the surrounding passages around verse 28, it's not only a life free from stealing, but it's a life free from abusive speech. It's a life from free from falsehood that, that Paul is saying part of your new self, you, you lay aside the old stuff, but part of your new self is that, that is, is gone. We have to live into and put on these things. And so he's saying, don't steal. Now, the word steal in this passage is actually, it, it's klepto. It's where we get this, this idea of a, a kleptomaniac. And he's saying, look, we can't be doing that. But I, I even just want to challenge us a step further that it's not just stealing, but it's hands that want. It's hands that constantly want to take, take, take. It, it demonstrates a selfishness of our hearts. And so when we take, it's the wrong way of attaining what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, I have a couple of fantastic quotes. Um, There's a guy named Scott Disick. He's part of the Kardashian crew. And I saw an interview with him that he has all the money that he could possibly want. But this is what he says. He says, I have money. The more money I have, the less happy I am. That somehow when we steal, somehow when we take and we're accumulating that that's not the end in and of itself, but that there is something else that needs satisfying. And and God is giving us a prescription for what that looks like. Um, Back in my college days, uh, I was friends with a guy named Keith Van Essen. Keith is the brother of Scott Van Essen, who attends here. um, And Keith married a great friend of ours named Vanya and Vanya had this quote and we were, when we were brainstorming this months ago, this was brought up and she said, as we, she would look into a store, she would look at all of the stuff that was there and she would repeat this to herself to just remind herself of how her heart may or may not be content and she just said, if I only had that dress, then I would be happy if I only had that dress, then I would be happy. If you go to a car dealership and you say, if only I had that car, then I would be happy. And we're constantly bombarded with this idea of, I just need it. And then our own Pastor Ron Rogalski will walk into a place like REI and he will look around and he says that he needs this to ground himself. He says, look at all of these things that I don't need. Look at all these things that I don't need. So part of us living in a new way with our hands is we reject what destroys community. When we want to take from one another, when that is our perspective, then that's, that's destroying what God wants us to be building up. And so what we want to do with our hands is promote what is building community. That we would look... And we would have a new way. And it's it's a movement in our lives from stealing to sharing, but also from taking to giving. Now, the prerequisite for generosity is work. You could have a very generous heart, but you might not have anything to give. I find myself in that situation often, that your generosity may exceed your ability to give. And then I thought, well, if only I was rich, if only I had everything I could possibly want, then I would be fine. Now, any chance I can possibly get, I'd love to bring in a video clip from the movie Fiddler on the Roof. uh, Because I find that in that one movie, it solves all of life's problems. I'm going to spare and restrain myself from showing the clip, but I am going to read you the lyrics from this important song sung by Tevya. If I were a rich man, listen to the depth and the power of these lyrics. Are you ready? Are you ready? Thank you. If I were a rich man, yabba -dibba -dibba dibba 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 dum. All day long I'd bitty bitty bum if I were a wealthy man, I wouldn't have to work hard, yabba-dibba-dibba-dibba-dibba-dibba-dibba-dum. If I were a bitty-bitty rich, yiddle diddle diddle dittle man, it gets better. I'd build a big tall house with rooms by the dozen right in the middle of the town, a fine tin roof with real wooden floors below. There would be one long staircase just going up and one even longer coming down and one more leading nowhere just for show. I'd fill my yard with chicks and turkeys and geese and ducks for the town to see and hear squawking just as merrily as they can. And each loud, cheep and squawk and honk and quack would land like a trumpet on the ear as if to say, here lives a wealthy man. And not only for the people amongst the town, but his wife. I see my wife, my Goldie, looking like a rich man's wife with a proper double chin. Man, isn't that what we want? <laughs> Supervising meals to her heart's delight. Women, isn't that what you want? I see her putting on airs and strutting like a peacock. Oy, what a happy mood she's in, screaming at the servants day and night, if I were a wealthy man. Thank you very much. That's great. It just makes me want to go home for Mother's Day and watch the movie. I don't know about you, but you think about this, and there's a part of that song that's kind of ridiculous, like set in the 19th century, like that is the dream of The wealthy man. But I think, what is my dream, and how ridiculous does that look 100 years from now? And what are the things that truly matter? That maybe I could live differently, that I could live out a life of generosity. He says that we must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, what is wholesome. That there is something to this that we actually, it's not just stopping, stealing, and taking, but it's actually, we got to get to work, God has created us for work, that there is something good about work. Paul, he's with his elders in a place called Miletus. And this is a farewell tour. He actually skips over Ephesus and he sends messengers back to Ephesus and he tells his elders, come meet me in Miletus. And it's like a two-and-a-half-day journey to get there. And while he's doing this, he's thinking about, while they're coming, and he's waiting, he's thinking about what he wants to say, and he gives them a challenge. And you can look at the whole passage in Acts chapter 20. But even Paul, he says this as he's lived out his life. He says, I coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. You yourselves know that these hands, they ministered to my own needs and to the men who were with me. In everything, I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the week and must remember the words of the Lord Jesus that He Himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. I, I want you to hear this because this is something for us as church people that we're supposed to be leading the charge on, but it doesn't always happen like that. In fact, you look at what's going on in the world, and Warren Buffett, Bill and Melinda Gates, they started something called the Giving Pledge have you heard of the giving pledge? The challenge is they get some of the wealthiest people in the world to sign this pledge. And what they are trying to say in this is that over the course of our lifetime, or even in our death, that we have accounted for, that we have given away at least half of our wealth. And they've gone around and they've tried to find those who would actually sign the pledge. You have guys like Mark Zuckerberg. And There's this other guy, and he showed up in the news this week. His name is Hamdi Ulukaya. He is the CEO and the president of Chobani Yogurt. And he came out with a surprise announcement. He gathered all of his employees together and he basically said, I am giving 10% of the company and I am putting it in your hands as our full-time employees. And now you are shareholders. You are partakers in this. He gave away 10%. And there's lots of interviews and things that have come out throughout this week. And people are overjoyed at the generosity. Now, he went from being worth 2 billion to 1.8 billion. And you say, okay, well, what's the big deal? But he is on a path to do this. And so we look at the world and we say, look at what they're doing. And the challenge is for us, how can we live that out in the same way? How can people be looking at us as the church? And they see hearts of generosity that we are pouring ourselves out to do that. And the challenge that Warren Buffett gave to these guys is that they would give away their fortunes with the same amount of fervor that they used to amass them. I want that for myself. I want that for you individually. I want that for us as a community. Um, In this, I want to just even share that the heart of a mom is to share. Uh, my mom passed away from breast cancer in 2003, but my mom's heart was a giving heart. Um, she was the lady that if you said, I love that jacket, she would in that moment, take it off and give it to you. As she lost her hair and bravely had to shave off the rest of it, um, part of her giving in her life would be that she would sit with other cancer patients, have them over, they would have a cup of tea and they would cry together and she would lovingly give of herself to be able to help another woman as they shaved their head. There is this heart in a mom that is giving. And moms, you know it, that you can be exhausted and your entire day is give, give, give. And I know that there's just a piece of us and in, in all of us, it's like, well, what about me? Um, I want us to just look for a moment. I, and I want to like kind of, undo some of our thinking in that we think that we have it all together. You might even look at me and say, wow, um, maybe maybe you don't, but I'm going to assume for a second, just go along with this story for a second, um, that as Matt Davis, the marriage and family pastor, the temptation would be for you to think that we've got it all together. Um, Marilyn and I, uh, on Mondays, it's my day off, and so um, we go to counseling in the morning, which is always great, and as long as things go well, we hang out for the rest of the day. It's really fun. Um, sometimes we don't, um, but we went, uh, just last week and we went to Peter's Canyon and you know, the huge, huge hill in Peter's Canyon, um, it takes a lot of effort to get up there and you're pretty winded by the time you get up to the top. What's really discouraging is you get to the top of that hill and then like later on when you drive away and you're on Jamboree, that's what the hill looks like and it's not all that big, right? Right. And I, I stood there at the top of the hill. And as I'm looking out, I see on one side of me at Jamboree and like there's the car there and it's not that far away. And then I look on the other side of me and I see this huge deep valley. And I think sometimes we think, we look at other people and we say, look at them. They're on the top of that hill. But you don't know the journey that they came from. And for us, it wasn't the walk from Jamboree to the top of that little hill. We came from the depths and the valley, and it has taken work for us. In fact, this is, this is what that picture looks like from the overhead. I mean, you have Jamboree over there on the left, and you have kind of this valley that, that descends on the right. But that has taken work for us. And so even just as an encouragement, like for you guys in your marriages and relationships, that this is something that you have to work on. And even just as a little plug, I want you to hear and know, um, we're doing something in a couple of weeks. It's, uh, it's an event, it's called We Choose Love. And we're partnering with... Uh, New friends of ours, Tyrone Wells and his wife, Alina, and our friends, Casey and Megan. And we're going to go out into the secular world. We are going to Yost Theater. They have a brand new ballroom there. And it's a Tuesday night, 7 o'clock, and it's a dessert and a date night. And the purpose is that we would come together and that we would... Um, Grow, that we would work on our stuff. And so I just want to invite you to come out. Merrily, now you're going to be sharing, and we have some other fun things that will be going on, but we have flyers out in the lobby. You can go to wechoose.love and find out more. Um, but it takes work for us to be able to move to some of these places. Um, I want to bring up uh, Shannon Reese. Um, Shannon leads our women's ministries. So you can give her a round of applause. We love Shannon. And as Shannon and I have been talking, um, my journey for my marriage is similar to your journey um, as a mom, that we look at Shannon and I look at Shannon and Shannon is just this beautiful model of what it means to be a great woman of God. But I asked her just to share, what is that process like? How do you get there? And it's not as easy as we all think.
1: You're right. It's not as easy. Um, And you know, it's so funny because Matt asked me like just the right questions that put a lump in my throat. And you know how when you get that lump in your throat as a mom, you're like, oh, he hit me in the heart right where I needed to go. And yet um, this is something that I probably haven't shared publicly a lot. And so I just wanted to let you in on a little picture of what my life looked like 20 some years ago. Uh, My husband and I had just gotten married. He married a pastor's kid at another church down the freeway and um, expected, I think, that life was going to just be going up the hill from there and things were going to be good. And about three months after we got married, we went through um, a situation at our church that left my husband and I both without jobs, um, incredibly lonely, feeling very isolated. And when he looked at me, he saw a wife that didn't really ever want to go to church again. And so for me, it was a real challenge to figure out what God was doing in my life through those times of pain and discouragement. At the same time, we knew that we wanted children, and it was a joy— that I had been pursuing probably since my sister was born three years, you know, she was, I was three and she was born. Um, I wanted a baby so bad for most of my life. And so being married, that was really a goal that we had set early on and found out pretty quickly that that wasn't going to be possible for us without some real medical help. And so we struggled with infertility for a few years before I got pregnant. We had our two boys. Jackson is now 18. Houston is 15. That being said, as a young mom, I found myself feeling very broken, oftentimes alone, um, feeling discouraged and very disconnected with my peers. We had made Calvary Church our new family church home, um, which was a wonderful blessing and a big step in our healing process. But for me, I know that um, I had these expectations of motherhood, that I was supposed to be this amazing, giving, wonderful mom, and on the inside, I really struggled with that. I struggled with uh, waking up each day and having two little boys running around my house that I couldn't control because I thought good moms could control their children and I wasn't super in control of these little people. Um, So much so that I really did struggle with anger because I couldn't control the world around me. And because of some of the other stuff that I'd gone through a couple years prior, the stress of having two little boys and all that, I found my lack of control escalating to a place of uncontrolled anger. And for me, it really culminated the day that I um, saw in my children's eyes that look of fear because I was yelling so loud. And um, thank God I never actually touched them uh, angrily. But there was that sense in me that I needed some big help. And I needed to reach out to people who loved me and were my community that I could share that with. I think as moms, we become mothers. And just like when we become followers of Jesus, our identity changes. I know that as a mother, my identity changed. And I knew on the inside, I needed to be a person who is giving and loving and sharing. My kids depended on that. They needed that from me as a mom. But it was hard sometimes. It was hard. And I realized that I couldn't give that gentleness and that kindness to my children out of an empty well. I needed to be going to the Father. I needed to be letting Him fill me up and give me His patience, His kindness, His forgiveness, His gentleness, His direction. So that I could then give that to my children. And as moms, my encouragement to you today would be that we need to be moms who are giving to our children, but we can't expect that we're dying to ourselves and we're going to be able to pick up ourselves and fill ourselves up. Rather, we need to be looking at the Father who wants to fill us up, to give us that strength in His power, to be able to live like Him. So very important. Another challenge I see for myself even now as I'm growing as a mom and becoming more like Jesus. I feel like as we're raising our children, God is raising us up as moms, right? We're changing. We're not the moms that we were at the beginning. But even now, I know so many of you moms are working moms. You're working part-time or full-time in the home, out of the home. If you're home, I know so many moms who are, who are teachers, who are um, homeschooling their children. If you're working full-time in your home, that's amazing that we're working really hard. We're busy. We're overscheduled. There's so many things going on. And I know at least for me, sometimes I find myself giving my very best to others and leaving my leftovers for my family. Am I the only one? I see that as such a challenge for us today in 2016, especially in Orange County, that we're moving so fast, we're giving so much to others, and I don't want to be a different person outside of my home than inside of my home. And even though I'm working here and I I give so much during the day, I find myself sometimes going home and just being exhausted. I don't want to give anymore. I'm done. You guys take care of yourself. That's what I raised you for, right? (laughs) Right? But they're still in my home and they're still needing a mom. And so I do everything I can to trust the Lord that he's going to to use me and he's going to empower me to give back to my children when I don't think I have any left to give. And so I challenge you as I've been challenged even this week in thinking about this passage, that when we think we're, we're done giving, that God can give us even more to give. I'm challenged as I seek to be more like him, continuing on that journey up the hill like Matt and Peter's Canyon, to, to become more like Jesus and to recognize that it was God who gave his very own son for us. And if God has given us so much, can't I give a little bit more? I encourage you with that, you moms, today. Happy Mother's Day.
0: Thank you, Shannon. Oh, not my okay. Thank you. So that is the challenge um, for all of us. And it's, it's a question of our, our heart and our motives as we go into it. It's not just that we go out and work with our hands, but the purpose, the end in all of this is that we work so that we might have something to give, that we have something to give to those in need. And first and foremost, that happens with our, our family and our people, but it can extend. I, I just want to encourage you though, that there's no guilt and shame that is being put. This is encouragement for all of us because we are all in this together, that we all struggle with this at all times. Um, and that God sees you. Moms, I want you to hear this. This is a powerful passage, Hebrews 6. says, God is not unjust so as to forget your work. God does not forget your work. And the love which you have shown towards his name in having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. That in those days, in those times where you feel like you've been forgotten, that your kids don't appreciate you, your husband doesn't know, but not even the dog appreciates you, <laughs> that God sees you. In Genesis 13, it was Hagar that says, surely I know that, the, that God sees me. We have a God that sees and he does not forget. There's nothing that escapes his notice. And there is just this encouragement and a, a something to strive for. And um, in, in the passage is Proverbs 31. And it gives us a picture of a woman of valor, a woman of excellence. It's this, this same idea and concept used of David's mighty men that, that we strive for. And this is not guilt-inducing. It's to be reaching out for. And it says, her children rise up and bless her, her husband also, and he praises her saying, many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Um, I, I think about um, Devani who works with us, Devani Maeda in student ministries, and uh, we celebrated a milestone birthday for her. I think it was 25. Um, but we had this great party with her and for her. And there was a moment where the party kind of stopped and her kids stood up and they said amazing words about her. And I just immediately thought of this passage and I sent it to her. And, and this, is, this is the hope. This is the goal. Um, my wife uh, is uh, actually right now, she's with a client who's giving birth right now. Um, It's how she's spending her wonderful Mother's Day. Um, But she sent me a picture before that, and our kids made her breakfast in bed, but they were struggling because she's doing the Whole30 diet, um, which has made her just a little bit cranky this week. (laughs) We still love her just a little bit. And the kids were like, what do we make for her for this whole thing? And so they cut up all kinds of fruit, and my my wife sent me a picture and said, look what they've done. And they all wrote little Post-it notes and put them on the fruit, which is fantastic. Um, But they rose up and they blessed her this morning. And so we we do that. This is the challenge that we work and we labor and we have jobs, not just so that we get these things, but it's so that we can give. The target of our generosity, and you see this in your outlines if you want to look at it, but here's just some places that we can reach out and we show our generosity, share with your family, that your hands, the new way of living is that you give to your family, that you share with those who are in need, the poor, And we have no shortage of those people around us and in our lives. And then share with the church and be generous with the church. So I just want to leave you in the words of Vanya Van Essen. If I only had that dress, then I would be happy. What does it look like? What happens when a community and not just individuals choose to live in this new way? What happens when our combined efforts, we don't have to be Warren Buffett or Bill Gates but that we can come together and we show generosity. That we move from hands that want to take and and to steal for our own benefit and we move towards hands that want to give. We're going to respond in worship. I'd like to invite the worship team up right now. And what we're going to do is we're going to praise God and we're going to thank him for all of his wonderful provision for us. If you're newer here, we have some stations set up around the room and in these places you can give financially towards the church, but you can also be thankful and receive as you have the communion elements, the bread and the cup, reminding us that we have a God who gave his only son, John three sixteen: God gave us his son because he loved us. And so we remember that and celebrate that as well. And then if you need some prayer, um, if the spirit is moving, then we want to have some time to be able to stop and pray with you. We have a prayer point over there on that side and on this side, but would you join me as we go before God? God, thank you. Thank you for loving us. Um, There there are even passages in the Bible that talk about how you, as our Father, even have some of these characteristics as a mother hen, it says, that you want to gather us under your wings. So God, would you bring healing? Would you bring your love into this room? Help us to be freed up to be generous people. We praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen.